Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Brock Edwards, and this show is all about getting unstuck, getting out of your own way, taking action, moving forward, and building momentum as you go. Now, whether you're running your own business or you're starting a side hustle or you're just taking on a very important project in your life, this is the show for you. This is a show where we talk to regular people who are up to extraordinary things and find out how do they do it? Because that's what I take inspiration from when I see people just like me and I think, man, if they can do it, I can do it too. So listen in, join in the journey, and let me know, how are you moving forward? What actions are you going to take right now today? Hello, everyone. This is Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards, a podcast where we look at at getting unstuck and taking action, where imperfect action beats perfect inaction. And today, really, really excited to have Dr. Max McCowan on the show and uh, known Max sort of over the years. I've uh, been connected on social media and shared some emails, but this is my first chance to actually speak in person. And so Max, your, your background, you're a behavioral st- strategist, um, scientist, uh, you're an award-winning author, um, and you, you happen to write some really great books that take some really big concepts and break them down into ways that, that I find very, very practical and very easy to understand. Uh, can you tell everyone just a bit about yourself? Yes, I'm English. I live in England uh, and spend a lot of time in France. I uh, am qualified as a psychologist, but I also have a an MBA and a computing science degree and uh, a doctorate in strategic innovation. So I, I spend my time really looking at how humans shape their futures, uh, how that works, how that doesn't work. We're very intrigued at mind competing with mind, but then also published books on strategy, innovation, adaptability, and uh, nowism, the the idea that you are better uh, on balance to, to tip towards action and just moving forward, even when that's difficult, and trying to unlock some of what other researchers have found out about those people who do keep rolling forward what what's happening in their heads how are they able to to on the one hand get get over worries and concerns and over analysis and then on the other get over i suppose failure and uh, the setbacks and disappointment how do they do that so that's me where excellent um yeah, so where is the? I'm, I'm just going to jump right right in here, Max. Um, you just gave me a lot to work with there. Where for you in, in all your research, and, and one of the things I do appreciate uh, about your writing and about your speaking is that it is very very research based, but then um, ha- has a, a practical spin on it. It b- breaks it down to more actionable items. Where is the balance between being uh, predisposed towards action and moving too quickly, not putting a kind of enough thought into it or, you know, running in the wrong direction. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. Uh, D- Jack Ma, one of the, the world's richest men now, a, a Chinese internet uh, entrepreneur, for, for those of your listeners who don't know, he, he's he said on many occasions that if you plan, you fail which is the exact opposite of what we might have grown up hearing, that if you pre- 
fail to prepare you prepare to fail he he says instead if you plan you fail so so what he's doing there that those two different sayings i think get cut to describe this quite well that on the one hand uh, your plan isn't going to survive contact with reality another paraphrasing your your visions your ideas so as soon as you start, you're going to find out that your your kind of plan and your understanding was wrong. Maybe the sequence of activities, maybe something messes up your, your plan, circumstance, events, events. Um, uh, and then on the, the other, you might find out you don't like the results of your plan. So, so I think the important thing here is to, to understand that it won't ever be perfect and can't ever be perfect and that your decisions are not necessarily worse because they're rapid uh, and what once you, you you bring those things in you can still see the value of preparation for certain things but at least not get weighed down so much there just is no guarantee that the amount of time you have spent preparing for something will guarantee a better result there, there's no such connection yeah so i i think you just freaked a lot of people out who are are planning are thinking about you know are detailing out their strategy and and how they're going to approach their business uh whether they're you know starting a, a full business or, or looking for just something on the side uh or even planning that next project in their life and you know yes you're right we we have that idea of you know if you you fail to plan you're planning to fail and so what what is the right amount of thought put into it before you start taking action and i i know there may not be a specific <laughs> amount but how do you know when it's time you to mean move sort of forward? 53% or something <laughs> exactly yeah i'll yeah. put my finger on it i, I suppose if I I think it's maybe just as important to look at to look back at the results of your own actions. No, nobody listening to this is sort of uh, just a couple of months old. Everybody listening to this is uh, you know more or less adult. That means right. You've got enough experience of how your actions tend to lead to results or not, and also enough experience of whether you tend to be a person who gets stuck and doesn't get on with the things that they would really love to do and moves too slowly as a result or worries too much as a result or misses opportunities as a result, or you're the kind of person who uh, is never organized and as a result gets into trouble and their, their plans are insufficiently well prepared. Uh, I am guessing that most people listening to this know which side uh, of that that they fall on. Really, are you an over preparer or are you an under preparer? Are you an over warrior or a, a, an under considerer of the the consequences? You, you know, and so the the right answer essentially is, of course, a, a fantastic balance between the two. When you're free to go fast or to prepare. Uh, minutely depending on the circumstance but only you can really recognize whether you tend to fall one way or the other so I would suggest that you just think about that for a second and then edge one way or the other worry too much then let go of you know 20% of it 
uh, and see whether it's any worse. Speed up your decision process, see if it's any worse. If, on the other hand, you're always getting into trouble because you're not ready, uh, <laughs> maybe you should prepare. Well, you, you know, and, and building on that, I was actually reading an, an article of yours recently where you mentioned that planning never guarantees success, that only adaptation guarantees success. And I, I'm fascinated by the idea of adaptation because I, I'm always curious on, you know, at what point have we persisted too long versus where do we just need to stick it out a little bit further? And how does adaptation fit fit into that of being able to recognize, you know what, it is time to turn and change versus, no, this is a good plan. It just needs more time, more action to see it. Yeah, Seth Godin talks about The Dip. He wrote a, a cute little book called The Dip. And he, he's asking exactly the kind of question you are, Brock, that um, how, how do you know whether, in this case, grit is necessary, carry on to the last, or actually you're going the wrong way? Uh, and all that persistence is a waste of time. Either you're going the wrong way or you're doing it in the wrong way. And you, do you we, we have a t- television program in the UK called Embarrassing Bodies. And in the program, okay, they, haven't they, heard they have, they set up a kind of portable doctor's office and they just ask people on the street, you know, if there's something that's always worried you, especially if it's embarrassing, come in and ask our doctor. And with the power of television, people share live on television things that they have never shared through embarrassment with their own doctor, you know, like giant tumors, that kind of thing. And I suppose it's one of those things where they maybe think in life that you're being brave or you're being persistent, you're showing resilience, but actually you're just... Uh, going the wrong way. Uh, and I think that's just, a, y- you should know. I mean, if you are miserable doing what you're doing all the time, could it just be you're going in the wrong direction? If the, again, evidence-based, uh, I really do believe in that, a mixture of your gut, if your body's telling you it's bad for you, stop it. Uh, uh, and also to, just general evidence uh, that your plan is not working. I mean, in the UK at the moment, they're busy trying to divorce from their their largest uh, customer and largest trade partner. It makes no sense. It's not working. Uh, are they going to listen to themselves and they can make a quick decision and sort of get, get, go backwards? So listen to the evidence. And y- y- your listeners will be aware of the idea of sunk cost fallacy that if we have invested in something, sometimes we're tempted to carry on working with it, even when the investment is no longer sensible or smart. You know, like kind of finishing that meal because you bought it. Why would you finish a meal that you hate just because you bought it? You know, you're better leaving it, that kind of thing, or even going on holiday or staying with somebody or, or, or lots of things. If it's not working out, turn around. Sure. I mean, we see that, you know, well, I, I, I've been working here for 15 years, so, you know, I can't give that up. I mean, I hate every day and I've got a countdown until my retirement, but, uh, you know, I, I can't oh, possibly oh, leave. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a great example. But, but I think also people think that, that there's an all or nothing fallacy, I think, Brock, here. 
So somebody says, hey, I've been stuck in this situation, like that job, but I'm stuck in this situation, therefore I've got to continue. Uh, but they could do a little thing differently. They could do a little thing differently at work, or they could do a little bit of research into something outside of the job that they don't like. At, you know, just get your toes wet. Just try it out. One little micro task. And that's often the answer to this imperfect action is doing things in tiny little increments rather than worrying about the whole. You don't know where you're going anyway. So if you don't like your situation, just do a little thing in the general direction you think you might want to go in. Find out whether you want to take another step. It'll change your life anyway automatically. But then if you want to take a second step, you know, you can't take the second step until you've taken the first. Uh, and you can't take the third until you've taken the second and you've taken the first. So worrying about the exact destination, I don't know. Um, you you don't have to have it all planned out. Yeah, and I, I think that's where we get stuck so often is, you know, you're talking about just, okay, what what is that first step? And I think so often we get in the trap of, you know, what is the 999th step that I need to take? I have to have this, I have to know now yeah, before r- I take that first than, step. Because if you take and, the first step, course, it, you're not committed to the to everything. You're not committed. You just took a baby step. You found out. That's why you often, I, I love to read the the little blurbs about an author, especially fiction authors, and find out, you know, where did they come from? And you'll find out so often that they didn't go to university and study journalism or English literature. Instead, they were a lawyer or they're an accountant. They had a job and they decided to write a book. And so they wrote it, you know, at night when the children were asleep. They just started writing. They finished they found a publisher, and then it turned out they were good enough to be professional writers. Do you, you know, you, you don't have to say, well, it would be really nice to quit my job. It's not always quitting your job that's the, the big action that's needed. You don't have to be lemming-like or do your bungee jump. It doesn't have to be truly scary. I, I think it's it's not just imperfect action that, that's useful because it always is. It, it's also incomplete actions. Um. Baby steps, micro tasks, we mm. call them. Micro tasks, just figure out a little thing and uh, uh, praise yourself and then do the next little thing and see if you start to see a pattern. I, I love the idea of micro tasks. Um, is, is, now, is that the, the key? Is that the heart of adaptability? Or is, is there more to it once you've taken that, that micro? Well, micro all the models in my book, are essentially d- dynamic and circular. Um, not that you always do the things in the same order. What I'm saying is that it, it j- just like any other force in nature, that there are certain um, that there are certain things that happen as somebody say deliberately adapts. When you deliberately adapt, you 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 have to change your behaviour in a way that suits your your environment better than the previous behavior in order to reach your goal. A little bit like a formula, I guess. You just say, sort of, if if environment equals X and behavior equals Y, then the result will be Z. And you can alter any part of that. 
um, or any part of that that you can alter can, can change your, cir- your sort of circumstance or your standing. And so there, there is a process where you can say, look, I recognize that the situation has changed or I recognize that I don't like something about my, my situation. Uh, then I learn more about it. I understand more. And then I do what's necessary. I, I call it the run loop. Uh, and so you can do it in that way, but but let's not pre, pre, it's a, so that's good. But let's not pretend that that's always in that order. I think what's important though is to know that where you're getting stuck, what you don't like about your situation, and if you understand where you're getting stuck, then again you can take micro tasks towards what you think you like, which of course might be completely wrong, um, and you just feel your way to it. You know those YouTubers. Yeah, the YouTube millionaires, they think they wanted to be YouTube millionaires. They recorded their first video, then they recorded the next video, then they got big um, step by step by step. But sometimes they get to the end and realize they didn't want to be YouTube millionaires anymore because it's too stressful. And then they have to take, if they take baby steps, they can take baby steps away from their what they're doing and try something else. And, you know, in the past, you have mentioned the idea of, I don't know if you call it like, not really four stages, but but four different places you can be, you know, you're, you're collapsing, you're surviving, you're thriving, you're transcending. Um, and can, can you just give a brief description of those those four different, yeah, I guess, yeah, stages? It doesn't really sound like that, the right thing. We but. can be in or a situation or a system can be in. Well, well collapse. The, the thing is just really falling apart uh, in your in a business. It, it, it means that, it, that everything is going wrong. The, the money is going wrong. It's not coming in. The costs are too high. The, the customers are disappearing, all of those things. Or, or you're, then in your life, similarly, everything is going wrong. Um, all the things that you care about just aren't fitting. You fail much more often than you succeed. Uh, then you get to systems that are um, just kind of doing worse, but some people are succeeding in them anyway. Then you have situations where everybody is thriving, particularly if we're talking about business here. It was to describe a business or a team or a culture or a society. So in a thriving culture, whether it's a company or a country, uh, most people are succeeding most of the time, uh, and uh, you see the problems that come when societies start only to to kind of survive. It, it means that some people might be billionaires and some people d- don't have everything. The the transcendent situation is that whatever the previous limitations were, you find a new, better way. So that it's no longer about everybody working. You know, major breakthroughs in health, antibiotics suddenly transcends uh, certain germs and certain infections and everybody benefits from that. You bring in electricity that transcends previous situations. Uh, Everybody is better off. Everybody has cleaner houses. Everybody has more and so on. So there are different levels that that you you can look at. Yeah. And would I be... Would I be breaking the model too much to I try to apply that to look the at individual level? You, the way you live, your behavior, and how it um, just what results it leads to. I, I think almost everything in my books can be applied to to, to any scale. 
the, the individual. Yeah, for sure. If if you're just drowning, essentially, the, then you, the, you know where you are. It is just not working. If most of what you do is not working, then you're just getting by. And that's, you know, you can reward yourself for surviving. Pat yourself on the back. It's the first lesson. Just when I send my 12 year old off to school, I always tell him that he should uh, have a fabulous day. Uh, and if he can't survive it, uh, and I'm saying, you know, aim high, but if not, it's okay just to get through the day. And you can look and see if most days you're just getting by, or if mm. most days you're succeeding, or you found some way of getting past those previous limitations you're suddenly freed and you go ah, i get it it's not that i work harder as such it's just that something's clicked uh, and i've worked out the lesson that the how to do that thing that makes me happier i think people need to be quite concerned about what's on the both sides of the formula in life both sides of the equal sign what you're prepared what you want so on the, the end point of that equal sign, what do you want things to be like, the desirable end? And on the other, what, what kind of life do you want to get the life that you want, in a sense? Uh, how do you behave? What works? What doesn't? And what kind of life do you need? Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about, you know, the... Thriving sounds great. I, I suspect many of us are are kind of stuck somewhere between su surviving and, and collapsing. You know, depending on what's going on in our life, but but striving to to get up to the thriving. But then when you add that that fourth level of, of transcending, I start thinking about wondering, wow, what what does that level look like for the individual? Where it's you know when I equate discovering electricity or any major technology that like you mentioned antibiotics that you know just moves a society forward you know what does that look like on the individual level what have i done what have i accomplished how how have i changed my approach so that i'm not just thriving but you know it's this leap ahead sometimes um, i guess so, so many people kind of a, a mind blown I moment think there story that, in your head that, <laughs> that i'm working my head around there's got to be a better way of doing everything really i don't mean a perfect way just a better way. It's going to be, uh, and that's all out there. And it doesn't have to make us anxious. It, it, it can make us just hopeful uh, and optimistic that uh, if we want to keep this simple, okay, um, I tend to d describe to people the benefits of looking for somebody who came from a similar situation to the one you're in who has transcended your current situation in a direction that you would value. Because that's not the same for everybody, right? Uh, when I look at some of the lives, I study a lot of the lives of the, I guess, the rich mm, and the yeah. famous, because I'm interested in business strategy and how people get there and the mind of the strategist. Sometimes, though, I look at the way where they came from, and they didn't come from the place I came from, and their lessons don't really offer very much. And I don't even enjoy the way they live their lives. For me, I'm not talking morally. I'm just talking about I didn't like what they had to do every day. So I might like the equals billionaire, maybe. But I don't really like how they'd had to earn that. And I don't really like... Uh, and, and where they came from doesn't speak to me at all. Like... Uh, 
how often the billionaire had a father who was a multimillionaire. Well, if you seek to copy that person, you're copying from the wrong starting point. If you did not have a multimillionaire parent, then copying somebody who did teaches you very little, I believe. Whereas if you find someone who came from a situation you come from and who lived in a way that you would enjoy and got the kind of things you want, you can use them as just a really simple model for life. And in that way, transcend your current situation because you're living with the benefit of somebody else's whole lived life. That's how I find it works. Wow. So, you know, we so often, I, I, you just nailed something there for, for me, just the idea of, of looking at the wrong starting point. Uh, because we, we do look, you know, we, we want to figure out who can we emulate? How can we learn from them? And, you know, if they can do it, we can do it too. But then there is the the very much the reality that, yeah, but we're different people and we are, we have different constraints and different needs and different interests. And we are very much probably starting from a, a different place in our life. Sometimes they start and sometimes their situations start off worse than ours or different culture, different country. And, and I just suspect there is something very, very important there about recognizing, not that we can't learn from them, but we yeah, perhaps and, maybe and can't maybe overgeneralize that, the lesson or apply it all to us. Finding 100%. one that does work is just an easier model to, to follow. You know, it doesn't mean you can't learn anything from any of them. Certainly it doesn't mean that we just say, Oh, well, it's okay for them. Um, I can never achieve that thing I want because it was so easy for them. You know, I don't know. Their father was an actor, so they end up as a director. That that happens a lot. So you don't use that as an excuse, but surely more, more interesting to find somebody who started for, from a similar place. And then when you get higher up or further along your path in life, you then can pick up other models that say, but now I'm here. Now I'm here being the kind of, which is why I think heroes work if heroes are a close match to what we value. A lot of my heroes aren't always the most famous people, um, but they just had inquiring, interesting minds, um, artists and poets. And if that's true, what does that tell me about my own life and what I'd like to do? Maybe that tells me something and allows me again to to transcend the uh, the model I might have followed. Well, well, when we're talking about that, Max, l let me ask you, from from all the research you've been doing over the years, over the course of your career, what information has been most helpful to you personally? What what That's what has moved your I, life forward in the direction that uh, you're wanting to go? I read and consume data so very very fast. Um, but but the things that I like, uh, I suppose. On the side, well, that's a really good question. I, I suppose the people who just create uh, beautiful, wonderful things and have challenged thinking, the, the biographies more than anything, I, I suspect. You read real life stories, uh, how they thought, and you think, okay, I, I get that, that that's how they, that they achieved that. So, but biography if you mean a source of data i think biography is 
a, a truly wonderful thing. I don't know if you play video games or anybody here does, but sometimes if you play a video game, you're driving a car, um, they will show you the perfect route in a, not the perfect route, but a better route in a, in a shadow uh, car so that you can follow the shadow car, what they do and learn from them. And so I, I love biography for that reason. You get inside of people's heads and you find out what it was really like uh, and that they had bad days and good days and they had flukes and they were lucky and they were unlucky and so on. Th things were just on the, uh, the sort of edge and then suddenly there was a turning point and the thing that you really admired them for came at that turning point, that mixture of luck and perseverance, uh, creativity and I guess originality being themselves. <laughs> so, I, and that's the first time I've ever heard One anyone. One of the things I do at the moment, Brock, if, if you, you use want, biographies and video games to, in, in kind of the tips, same sense. I don't, hacks so, so I, I love the that example. I do in case anyone uh, wants to copy them, which would only really work if they're a bit like me, I guess, is um, at the moment I listen to biographies on audiobooks and I listen to them on my AirPods, you know, those little what Bluetooth things that you stick in from Apple. And so I stick one in my ear because um, you can charge them one at a time. And I mm -hmm. stick my biography on at mm -hmm. three times normal speed. And <laughs> so that I can read a biography of sort of nine hours in, in three hours and just jam all that in while I'm running or something or climbing. And uh, to me, it's a, a fabulous way. It, you end up going, oh, yeah, but that's me. That's me. I understand that. That applies to me just that little bit, mm -hmm. that turning point. And then you keep them around as patterns that you can apply to your own life when you get there. It's like having lived a, a thousand other people's lives and picking from them. Nice. Uh, well, maybe he enjoys. A good it friend of mine more. actually does something very similar, although he remember, only listens to the books Darwin on 2x speed. That, um, so you've got him top got there. He got so much into his research uh, on evolution <laughs> that he could no longer enjoy the theater because he felt guilty if he went to the theater. And there is that possibility that I'm ruining these books by being ultra efficient. But um, when I read that story, this is an example. When I read that story in his biography and him saying that, I've just held that as a pattern that I can look at, that, you know, that sliver, that hologram of his life. And you can hold it up and say, okay, so what does that mean? That means that that might be the cost of pursuing something. Or alternatively, I don't want to pay that cost because he's wrong. For me, that I wouldn't want to lose all the fiction in the world and the pleasure and the music. So when I read it, I thought both. Don't let it ruin everything make sure that you still find time in my life to, to dance and to enjoy music and really enjoy fiction. So, yeah, you, you can. I love the way we can do that. Take a hologram and apply it to ourselves, like trying on a new suit of clothing, really. Oh, I, th I think that's so so important, Max, there, just what you're hitting on, that, yes, we can be super efficient in certain areas of our lives, but that there is a downside and it's good to probably keep that balance there of well, how know, can I keep enjoying this joy and is keep not being a fulfilled and happiness is just, just keep having a life while I'm you know, moving forward the way as I want to move forward in the areas I want to move forward. Uh, and 
I, I, some of your listeners mm, might know the phrase, uh, you won the internet. So this is what people used to say when you said something particularly clever in a chat room. Uh, that, that was so clever that you won the internet. Well, we, we have a phrase sometimes in my house that, you know, you won the universe. You just won life. You, you kind of, mm-hmm. you instead of just being, existing, you just grabbed life. You sort of stole it from the grind. And that's when we should feel the most clever. The kind of Ferris Bueller idea, life moves fast. It, it, you know, if you don't pay attention, you'll miss it. The idea that it maybe it is the stolen moment. Maybe it is grabbing some time and running off to the beach. You know, to, what's it? So what? Something didn't, wasn't quite perfect as a result. But you were at the beach, man. <laughs> what what's to regret in that and that's one of the things we found in the nowest book that one joy is not a distraction but two these people that, that i wanted to understand more of these nowest i'm not saying i'm one of them yeah. really um, you know how some people write their books and they're the hero of their book i'm not the hero of any of my books um, I, i'm i'm just interested to understand and some of these people who are at you college, you know, they were having fun. It doesn't mean okay. the person having fun did worse in their exams. It They might have done worse or they might have done better, but they were having fun. And isn't that kind of winning life? And the person and there'll be two people who are CEOs and one is like a cold hearted bastard. And one is a. Um, mm. uh, Oh, I love that warm, loving kind of angel, and they're both billionaires. So you choose, you know. But what, what do you want to be? And there's no guarantee that being the bastard makes you successful. There's no guarantee that uh, ne- never having fun and going to that party means that you'll get better results. There's no reason that worrying about every little detail will lead to a better solution. Because who knows? But what you do know. Is that if you, you know, like that marshmallow test, seen the marshmallow test? Yeah, exactly. So you've seen the little videos, some of your people that they can look it up, the marshmallow test, and they've got kids uh, there. Yeah, you're, where they have to are decide referring to kind of the, the delayed gratification in front of them or, or the marshmallow in front of them, one, or wait half an hour to have two. And his, his um, conclusions of all this work is that we had to teach people kind of self-control and uh, delayed gratification. I, I often thought about that. Right at the end of his book, though, he says that delaying gratification too much can be worse than delaying gratification not at all. So right at the end of his book, after telling you all these studies and all these things they're teaching at school, he admits the truth, which is that the guy that grabs the cookie got the cookie. Hmm. And sometimes the savoring of the cookie in the moment and the diving in, that's the guy that won. They won life. Uh, and the, they, they cut school early or they, they the same, you know, with, with, with business, that they, they did go home. They didn't go to that Sunday meeting. And if their boss insisted on that Sunday meeting, they, you know, went with another job or f- figured out whether they could coast and get away with it or something. I'm not, there's no evidence to say those people are less successful and there's specifically no evidence to suggest they're less happy. And why are they less, not less happy? Because they grab happiness where they find it. 
uh, imperfectly, but they grab it. I think, you know, uh, a pleasure in the hand. <laughs> I should be careful about that analogy, but who knows? But, you know, get, get, grab it while you can. Grab the plan. You, you are, are opening up so much there because... Yeah, we we just we we forget to enjoy the, the the ride along the way. I think so often, and I mean, you also mentioned you know comparing two people who on the surface look the same, but when you get some depth to it, they are vastly different. And it, it's easy to forget that um, our life doesn't have to be just like theirs. That you know, and, and the shiny that we see, the the image that we see, doesn't necessarily reveal the the truth behind it. And I, I absolutely love the the quote there that joy is not a distraction because um, it, it, I, I personally find it easy to get bogged down in the idea that if I'm enjoying it, I must be doing yeah, absolutely. something wrong. That you know, kind like I'm of not working hard sort enough. Of I'm not working of, fast enough. Yeah, that, that, I, that you must be exhausted. Um, I, it, the, the path you is must too sacrifice, easy. That you know, it's you supposed must to be push hard. It to one side. Well, what if it's um, not? What, and, what if, again, remember we started, people are different. Much as we have commonality, people are kind of calibrated differently. That's part of the challenge here. But what if the surfers have got it, for instance? What if they figured it out, you know, a long time ago? The, the, the guy that's hitting the beach. I know I keep mentioning beach, but it's almost the analogy of it. The guy that is just, what's a good day for him or her? It's that um, the, the, the surf's up. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they they jump in the car as soon as they can and they get to the beach and they just love it. What if they won life? Uh, and the uh, the other person, uh, I always think that, isn't there that American phrase? It's, it's something like, if he's so smart, why isn't he richer? Um, so, something like that about academics. Hmm. What if it's the other way? You know, if you're so smart, why aren't you loving life? If you're so smart, why did you waste it all on being richer? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think that there's an awful lot to it, and that's mm. the nature also in perfect action. Yeah, yeah. What if putting everything into one thing is a, is one big mistake? I think that the the kind of over-focused life can be the underlived life. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. The overfocused life can be the underlived life. Um, well, on, on that note, I'm just going to wrap up here. We could talk all day here, Max, but um, you know, when you think about your, your your own life and the research that you're doing and the projects that you're up to, uh, I think it's kind one of, of the things uh, that I do like love about social ideas. media. I mean, social media I is how we all, met years ago, and it connects people. That that's, how can the world help you they, move forward? Well, I suppose some people do it just for the money, but I I really am fascinated with these questions. How do you get to a more desirable place? How do you shape a future that you want? How do you find the, the real you rather than the, the kind of Tony Robbins um, version of things where there's only one good you? At least that I've probably turned off like one billion viewers, listeners who say, well, Tony Robbins is my God. I just... You know, I, I, if somebody wants to do something, ju- just connect with me, uh, LinkedIn or, or whatever, and uh, just find out whether these ideas that have meant something to me uh, can mean something to you. And if they do, share them and pass them on. 
Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What what are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrafit. Now, I tried Nutrafit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made Nutrafit different is one that it mixes immediately and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, Nutrafit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that Nutrafit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just take action at checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on Nutrafit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So Nutrafit.net. And let me know what you think.